Millennials are grossly underestimated. Their jobs aren't their whole world. They have options, they have the internet. Job satisfaction and strength of relationships, there ain't no app for that. Education is not a mechanical system, it's a human system. Any kind of work that's on some level predictable, then that's gonna be susceptible to artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. And that job, where you go to a building and you stay there 40 hours, and then you do that again for 40 years and then you retire, that's gone. Technology magnifies our leverage and increases our creativity. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Please wait as your individualized operating system is initiated. This is the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, guiding you through the madness of modern life. Now, here are your hosts, Wayne Ingram and Jem Yildiz. Sup, Powerful Nonsenses. Hello. We are back for another episode of the Powerful Nonsense Podcast, the Millennial Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, I am Wayne Ingram. I am Jem Yildiz. Welcome to the show. Um, I, I, I do feel really coldy, actually, now that we've hit record. Well, what, do you want a blanket? I'm like, you want I a don't hug? know. You want a lem sip? Something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I am. I was saying before we hit record, I am at like full exhaustion level, like exhaustion meter 100%. I was going to say your look like shit meter is also <laughs> pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dude. I was going to spray you down when you got through my front door. Needed but... that. Spray me down with what? <laughs> Disinfectant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't look that bad, dude. Jeez. Not joking. Man. <laughs> way, way to make, way, way, way to stroke someone's ego. I mean, build your friends up and shit. <laughs> with friends like you, who needs fucking enemies, right? <laughs> uh, so, um, interesting episode coming up today, talking about a wide variety of, of subjects. We're going to be talking about metal music and the effect that has on the psyche uh we're going to be talking about quarter life crises again we've done an episode on that in the past um and we're going to be talking about uh the upcoming arrival of 5g in the uk yeah in some tech news um and then talk about in a kind of very meta way in our this week millennials killed segment whether a lot millennials are actually killing anything. <laughs> so we're going a bit meta, which will be cool. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, we need to get into the quote of the week. Yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. That's why you're saying this quote. <laughs> Just so you don't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Try your best. So this week's quote comes from Bernadette Jua. Jua. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Uh, I probably completely butchered that, so apologies, Bernadette. Um, (laughs) The quote is, having a sense of purpose can improve your chances of success. Yes, this one comes from a book that... Could not agree fucking more. Yes. This one comes from a book that I'm reading um, this week. Actually, just finished it. I literally rapidly got through this book. It's called Story Driven. And mm-hmm. it's more business focused, but I think it can also be applied to life. And this is the, it's that idea. It kind of goes back to that sort of Simon Sinek why it's actually being strong to your ethics behind everything you do. For me, with my um, business, it's about sort of spreading that sort of vegan message of ethical living a bit more consciously. 
for you with your acting way and it's more about you know what you just want to spread good stories that have good impact on other people's lives and I think what she says in this book is this idea that a lot of the time we're too focused on what's in it for us but actually mm. the biggest motivations come from what's in it for other people we get a lot of drive through that through helping others and so here she's saying like having that sense of purpose which is outside of yourself will actually help you get to that next level I think I did do a blog post on this a long while back about when you lose motivation for some of your doing mm. it's often that you're focusing too much on yourself and what's in it for you and actually sometimes reconnecting to that motivation is actually putting yourself aside and actually saying why am I doing this what impact will this have on others and often that's what will kind of reignite that motivation but I think also even less kind of um uh what's the word I'm looking for altruistic than that um and actually just focusing in on why are you doing something in the kind of more uh literal sense less about you know what effect am I having on others but more just kind of like this is what I want mm -hmm. I think and and having clarity in that I think the biggest struggles in my career which I've said to people many times is actually my whole pursuing an acting career was all about get to drama school finish drama school get an agent move to London and when I moved to London I got to London and then I went well now what <laughs> I've done it like now what what am I supposed to do now and for like four or five years um I've kind of been going I don't really know exactly where I'm supposed to be going right now what I'm supposed to be doing and then choosing to go back to drama school because I'm like all right okay I need to give myself a clear path has really like revitalized me in terms of my career um and I just think just even just focusing so much on that as actually going, what am I trying to achieve? What is the achievement I'm looking for um, is really just going to because because it's it's again, it's focused. It's um, it's like a laser beam. Once you once you know exactly what you're trying to achieve, it's much easier to achieve it. Yeah. And I think it goes back to what we spoke about before. It's like easy to do something when you see a path ahead of you, when you're in that sort of gray space where you don't know where the direction you're meant to be going in. And I'm sure schools and stuff like that have programmed us to kind of want to have the next step available or have the kind of direction we should be heading mm -hmm. for and I think that's kind of what you're saying there is that you kind of you feel more motivated when you have a clearer path and obviously your purpose there is a is a is a kind of a way of looking and finding that direction yeah good quote Jim lovely good quote uh so let's get into the meat and potatoes story of the week So, we've got two big stories this week. I say big stories. I think they're big. Well, one's, one's, one's big. One's not so big. We'll start with the not so big one first, <laughs> I think. Which is a subject I think that's near and dear to both of our hearts, just a little bit. For sure. Um, a scientific study has been carried a scientific out. Scientific. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do it to me, so I have to do it. <laughs> of course. Uh, University of South Australia, I believe carried out a study about the effects that uh, metal music has on mental health. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, well, everybody that listens to metal music's miserable and depressed and their, their, their mental health's really shit. Well, this study reckons that actually it has massive benefits on mental health. And their mental health would be shitter without it. <laughs> yeah, so... 
Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Do you ever have any uh, memories from childhood cranking on some metal? The band that got me into music was System of a Down. And for many years, they were my vent. I used... Because... you know System of a Down, right? They can be quite aggressive with their uh, with their <laughs> lyrics. Um, and it was a bit of a... And there's something... I don't know. There's something really... Uh, primal. Primal is the right word, I think. Yeah, about just like the rhythm and the palm-muted guitars that's just like really like... Yeah, this, it was primal. There's something primal about the it. You just kind of in the shouting. Yeah, and just like uh, yeah, yeah, just really getting into the groove of it. And even even indie rock just does not have that quality about it at all. I think when you, I mean, what you mentioned there, like about primal, and I think actually when you look at it, you think like when you go to a concert, a rock concert, people are shouting, everyone's united together. Even with a mosh pit, it's kind of like bioenergetic kind of movements. You are swinging arms around, you're releasing tension. I think we live in a society that's so uptight, especially in like London, in the UK. We're so conservative. And actually, I think rock music is that way of just releasing sometimes and i think when you see someone screaming on stage or playing on a guitar like being total wild and free i think that's what's so sort of therapeutic about it and i think people listening to lyrics of people expressing because a lot of the time this metal music is anger it's depression it's i don't know it's all these feelings that a lot of the time are hard to put into words and somehow these sort of bands have a way of putting it forward and letting you have that feel that anger and release it and i think singing along or going to the concerts it's just such a therapeutic thing and i think especially around your sort of teenage years when you're full of that sort of teenage angst and you can't really (laughs) make sense of a lot of the way you're feeling but then you've got this band come along and kind of be like yeah that's what i'm feeling right now and they're fucking rocking hard like fuck you (laughs) yeah and you're like yeah Yeah, fuck you (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) that's exactly what i wanted to say but you say it better and so i'm gonna dress like you and hope that (laughs) <laughs> we yeah. relate together I, I think actually like I was actually listening Rage Against the Machine came on the yeah, other day on my exactly, shuffle yeah, and uh, uh, the one that was Christmas number one which to me is still the most incredible yeah. fucking thing that's happened in music history yeah. um, and <laughs> just listening to, the, to that song and it's just fuck you I won't do what you tell me and yeah. I'm just like yes like that is just fucking teenage life even fucking adult life yeah But that's what I was saying, which is why I went to number one, because it's people's way of kind of saying, no, I'm in control. Like, fuck you guys. And yeah. so that's why I could imagine that it is why metal is so important. So a lesson out there to people is just start getting your rock on. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and to those that that judge the metal heads that like their metal, and that those that judge people that listen to heavy rock, all I say to you is maybe you could do with some too, <laughs> because Katy Perry just she's just not going to have the same effect <laughs> as I don't know Rage Against the Machine or System of a Down. Or Linkin Park, or Limp Bizkit. Limp Bizkit. Disturbed. Ah, uh, bit of disturbed every now and then. There yeah. you go. Yeah. We'll like play some it. stuff in there just so you guys get the therapeutic benefits. Yeah. If we're allowed, are we even allowed? Maybe just a few seconds. Yeah. Just don't tell anyone. Anyone. Fair, fair use, guys. Fair use. Um, <laughs> it's for your mental health. All, we're doing it. All as rights like it. Res- belong to the respective rights holders. Um, <laughs> and all that jazz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> We're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't think there's much more to say on, on that. No, it kind of nicely links in with our next story. Yeah. So this is, the, this is the big one, I think, for this episode. Again, we've talked about it in an episode before, but um, more than half millennials are now having a quarter life crisis. Struggling out there. I'm seeing it with friends. I'm seeing it with family. <laughs> um, actually, no, my no, no, I don't think so. Actually, my family, my state. family is that a full statement, Wayne? Is that is uh, that's fake, fake news? Fake, fake news. <laughs> I think my family's got it all together at the minute. At the minute. At the minute. <laughs> <laughs> By the time this episode goes out, it'll probably all Wayne, gone Wayne's to shit been from blasting <laughs> rock music into the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm seeing it with. Um, my peers let's go with that seeing it with my peers uh we're going through the motions of hitting 30 your 30th is not far away (laughs) i've still got a year and a bit the greys are coming (laughs) (laughs) the middle life spread (laughs) or no midlife quarter life spread (laughs) with the fattest generation to come we're just screwed aren't we really um we haven't got nowhere to live (laughs) (laughs) i can't have kids we're too busy for sex Which is actually quite depressing because actually a lot of this is what there's a video that we're going to share and this link is on the independent yeah. and it's a lot of like young people or millennials actually just talking about problems they've had mm. and a lot of it comes down to just hitting those sort of life numbers. I was going to say it's as you said before we hit record it's about expectation right mm-hmm. and I think our generation is rightly or wrongly and you know we, we obviously talk about things from the millennial perspective a hell of a lot. Um but our generation is so unbelievably different to the baby boomer generation. I don't know how different the baby boomer generation was to their parents' generation, but I feel like the gap between us and our parents' generation is so fundamentally huge. I think it's actually completely different. I think if you look back in the generations in terms of life stages, I think you'll actually find that actually a lot of the things happened at the similar times like ours is just completely shifted it's like shifted 10 15 years mm-hmm. everything that you should be doing around the time has completely moved because of how the societal pressures right now and so actually i actually think that yeah that's the reason why we're having it right now because our parents would have a house by a certain age by their early 20s they would be thinking about kids by that sort of age they would kind of have a settled career by that sort of age so it's kind of interesting and it's not it doesn't surprise me really no well that's it as well and i think as you say when you look back at previous generations all the previous generations i can think of um from historical accounts 
would suggest that um, by the time you were 30, if you were not married with kids, you were past it. Yeah. And that was it. That was it. You were, you were no good to society anymore because you hadn't found something, you hadn't settled down, you hadn't had kids. And I think every, I, every generation I can think of has been like that, except for ours, which is now kind of like, if, if anything, now I think sometimes there's more of a judgment of, well, if you're married with kids before 30, have you got all of your shit together? Yes, good point, very good point. And I think there is an element of that in this. Which is another our... pressure. It's like, well, if you're going to do all that stuff now, you haven't even got your career down. You haven't even, you're not even earning enough money. How can you afford to? And so there's a pressure on if you have it before 30, how have you managed to get your shit together to have a kid and a house before that time? Right. Who's helping you? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. What's your secret? Yeah, what's your secret? <laughs> or then if you're, if you're otherwise, you'll wait until after and you're like, okay, how long do I wait? Because obviously mm-hmm. women have a biological clock right. when they can have kids. That's, yeah. that's, not, that's just a fact. Whereas, so that's a pressure there and it's kind of like shit. So women probably feel that pressure of, okay, well, how quickly should I do it? But then on the other side, it's like men are like, fuck, but have I kind of like got my shit together that we could even uh-huh. support having a kid? And uh-huh. so I think they're caught in this sort of limbo. Mm. So do you think then that's because, I mean, I think I know what the answer is, which is probably both. But is it because, um, do you think that's because we put more pressure on us on a career? Or do you think it's because we're much more mindful as a generation? Mm. As in what we're mindful about? About... Um, whether or not it's the right time to have kids, whether or not we've got our own shit together, whether or not financially it makes sense, whether or not um, we're with the right person. Because, I mean, let's face it, and, and this, is, this is not meant to be a generalization at all, but there are, and, you know, to be honest, the same for our generation as well. But I think because we're in less of a rush to settle down in this generation... Um, until we hit our quarter life crisis is my theory. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think previous generations would, they'd get into a committed relationship and then it'd be like, okay, good. Let's settle down. Let's have kids because the peer pressure was there to kind of make sure before you hit 30, you know, get all that done so that you're not, Mm. you know, particularly, particularly pre baby boomer as well. Really very much so. And so I think maybe there was less, I mean, I'm probably going to get so much hate for saying this. There's probably less worrying about whether or not it is the right person or whether or not they're just, I'm, I'm happy enough. Uh, let's settle down. I think there's so many elements to this. I think, number one, we're educating ourselves for way too long. Like, you've got to think, by the time you probably finish your degree, your master's, mm-hmm. you might go to get something extra. Because, again, we've spoke about education inflation. So you're going to finish your degree about 24 if you go get a master's after because you want to not be someone who's just got a degree because everyone's got a degree, so now you want something extra. So for me, it means that actually education's going on much longer, which means we're not getting work experience. We're not valued to the market, so we're not yeah. getting paid as much as we want. Yeah. We've also got every single choice and every single possibility of a date that we can have. And so actually, instead of getting to know someone with flaws mm. and then grow together and become better people together, we want the perfect product. That's, yeah, that's kind of what that's I mean. That's kind of what I mean. That's, uh, with the that's, whole... that's one element yeah. of it. At the same time, we're very much taught to be individualistic. So we kind of want to protect ourselves. Like it's horrible now when you hear, 
I mean, this could be just my opinion, but when you hear women saying, well, actually, if I do want to have a kid with this person, I still want to know that if I don't, if I'm not with them, I can support myself, which is huge pressure. Whereas actually society and humans were brought together to actually be able to have, it's not that it's a must, but two people is more like a family. My, I said to my mum, did you ever think about being able to support someone on your own when you're young? And you're like, no, well, if you've got a husband or you've got a partner, mm. You just assume that you're both there to look out for each other. Yeah. And I think that's something that's hugely missing in society, which then leads on to the loneliness. Mm. And then you're, and I think a lot of the problem is that actually emotionally, I think um, millennials are being stunted through the ages from like 20 to 30, where actual sexual expression, I think connectivity, understanding of another human being, we're literally so individualistic. We're all we're thinking about is ourselves up to that point, protect ourselves, get ourselves to a position where we could be with someone. And so actually I think we're often missing out on the most important part of life. And then you're going to get to your like 40s, 50s, and then you're going to start really embracing a relationship. And I think actually there's probably a lot of growth to be had at a young age to be with a partner, with a female, with a male, and figuring out how you work together to be sufficient together. And I think that's that's something I think is hugely missing. And I think although that kind of pushes the whole narrative of, oh, find a partner and you need someone else to be with and I think actually no well that's human nature we need people around us with support systems and so I think actually I I think there's so many elements to this quarter life crisis mm. and if you break it down you'd have no reason to think why this is the case like people are struggling to survive they're they're lonely they haven't got partners they've they don't know whether they'll ever be able to have kids or whether they can they can't support themselves how they supposed to have kids and so all these human things that we should have and i'm not saying there's probably much worse shit going on in the world than whether you found the right partner whether you can have a kid but at the end of the day that's sort of like something that a lot of people value as a human to be a human yeah. is to be able to have these things and so i think it all kind of builds up it goes back to the expectations the mm -hmm. pressures and i think number one it is the expectations but at the end of the day some of the expectations are reasonable to be all right you don't have to own your own house but everyone wants to be able to be self-sufficient and have their own place to live everybody wants to have a partner someone to love someone to care about everybody wants to have a career that fulfills them and makes them feel like it's worth them going to work these are pretty basic maslow hierarchy of needs things that need to be in place for people to have good mental health and that's where i think millennials are falling down do you think this has just popped into my head do you think that um, because the pressures that are put on us as a generation uh, financially more than anything else because of successive mismanagement of uh, economic thinking from uh, the previous generation, whether or not they want to take responsibility for that or not, it is them. Um, they were the ones that were in control of all of that the previous generation, do you think because of the financial pressures put upon us as a generation now, because of the hoarding of cash, the hoarding of property, the hoarding of everything by the previous generation so that they can retire comfortably, do you think that that is ultimately the fulcrum of why this is happening? Because I'm thinking about it and everything that you've just said, like about not having strong relationships, not having the money or not having their own place where they can live by themselves, they're having to house share. All of it, I think, ultimately is coming down to either lack of money or lack of time because of lack of money. Um, I think, or, or rather not necessarily lack of money, but 
the barrier to entry for those basic kind of box ticking things with life, which goes again back to expectations, which is when we were kids, my parents were, I think they moved into their own home in their, uh, as in own home, as in uh, not living with other people that were not them or their offspring in their early 20s. They were renting from the council, admittedly, which, you know, that's another issue. They were renting from the council and then they actually bought their own house in their 30s. So, you know, not that's quite um, by millennial standards that's quite late. But I think our expectation, because we look at our parents, is like, well, by the mid 20s, they were married. They had their own place. They had kids. And all of this stuff now is kind of like, well, weddings cost an absolute fucking fortune (laughs) because they've been commercialized to hell. Uh, um, cost of living is higher than it's been in a long bloody time cost of renting a property let alone buying a property is ridiculously high because landlords have been able to hoard property and whatever and so then you have to work longer hours you have to earn more and to earn more you have to uh, build a career which means you have to work longer hours just to earn to have the right to earn more And sure, you know, all of that problem of like not being able to earn as much and having minimum wage. I mean, minimum wage is a fairly new thing in itself Mm -hmm. that the previous generations didn't have. But the difference is, is cost of living is so ridiculously high, ridiculously high. Is that what's ultimately stopping us from ticking all of these boxes that we saw our parents do, which is then making us go, well, we're a failure because we can't even achieve what our parents could achieve? Yeah, I I definitely say it's a massive thing. I think probably a lot of these emotional things stem from money, which is why money is so important, why we spoke about that many times on other episodes. And I think it's not even like the fact that everybody should have their own house and be able to move somewhere by themselves. Like I do think it's about having infrastructure to have close mm-hmm. personal relations, whether that means you have a, a house that you share with your friends. But again, there is this whole thing about renting and security and rent, like how many people are getting kicked out of properties. You never know. My mate's just, he, he's got a young boy who's now, they were renting and they just put him into school in a local area. And then the, the landlord said, oh, sorry, um, I've sold the property. You've got to be out next month. And yeah. it's kind of like that sort of thing scares me. And I think millennials are like, shit, like there is not much stability with renting and their experiencing with renting is so low, which is why I think the government because are trying to... Because landlords don't give a shit as well. Yeah. Well, again, it's a money maker. It's a product. But I think it's not... There's less of a kind of incentive to make it a pleasant experience. It's a lot of people go get into renting if you want to make some money. Because, again, if you've got the money to buy property, then you don't really have to give too much of a shit. If someone's going to figure out how to pay that rent, whether they're good or bad. Like That's it. Like It's easy for... A rent like they say as soon as you buy a property and you put it to rent next week you're going to have someone in there because there's not enough demand so yeah i definitely agree i think that they're the costs of living are way too high and then it means that actually saving is pretty much impossible so i think yeah there's probably that is i'd say money is probably the stem of it and i think at least with our parents they could say let's just mellow for a few years save hard and by the end of a couple of years they've probably got enough money to buy their own property but then even nowadays the prices of properties are totally ridiculous that even if you do save then you've now got this mortgage like my mum laughs at like what a, a one bed flat can cost in a certain place in london you're like shit like friend half- friend of mine <laughs> him and his wife well, no not him and his wife a friend of a friend of mine he and his wife have just spent four hundred and fifty thousand pounds on a one bedroom flat where is it london 
in London. Exactly. And that's normal. That's not even like, oh my God, shock. That is like normal. I know other people that are looking at that. And my mate was telling me, he was like, it's not even a big one bedroom flat. No, of course it not. It is a small yeah. one bedroom flat. Smaller than the flat that we're in yeah. right now. And he spent £450,000 on it. Yeah, and it's a flat, so he's going to have service fees and whatever else. This is the thing, like, the 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 core of the problem is, it's not the, that's the thing we can complain about and say, oh, it's £450, but, £450 grand, but it's not going to change. Like, this ain't going to change no. for a long while. You either completely rehaul the whole system or oh, if the fact that he's gone and paid for that now means, okay, you've just kind of added to, oh, people are willing to pay £450, let's make it £550 yeah. next year. Yeah. Supply and demand. So, ultimately... The other thing I mean, you, granted, they can, have a very high household income. Yeah. But this is what I'm saying. Like, we, we can, as millennials, say, this is shit, this is shit, this is shit. Either you're going to either go and figure out a way to change that system, which I think you're going to struggle with, or you just literally need to figure out a way to get around it, whether that means getting adopting some very rich parents or, <laughs> or you've got to figure out, okay, what do I need to do to earn an income that's going to ever allow me to yeah. buy a property like that? And I think that's the problem. And obviously it means you're going to have a lot of stresses. And I think but yeah, that then becomes the problem, right? And that's yeah. the catch 22, because if you then have to, if those, if that's your goal to own, own your own property or even fuck it, be able to afford to rent a place that is just you living in there. Yeah. which is a, a dream for many people to yeah. just be able to afford that. You have to, you have to be on a high earning salary. Yeah. You have to be. And so then the pressure gets put on you to then propel your career or to work more hours. And so then you don't have the time for the intimate relationships. You don't have the time to meet the love of your life. And you certainly don't have the time to be raising a fucking kid. Mm. I'd be really interested. I was just thinking now in my head, it'd be interesting to see a calculator that breaks down what you earn uh, per week after your expenses like if it kind of did the maths on okay i'm pretty sure i'm now officially spending more than i'm earning yeah and i don't particularly have a luxurious lifestyle <laughs> no this is what i'm saying so i think living life as a millennial nowadays unless you and have... i don't buy avocado because i don't really like avocado <laughs> just I'll for the record i'll lend you one <laughs> <laughs> no, joking. but this is what i'm saying so i just think it's so obvious why this is happening. I've got many friends who are going through these quarter life crisis. And I think it is just when you look at the, the mountain ahead, you just think, how the fuck? And I felt exactly the same. Like, I mean, I'm someone who's now started a business that's doing pretty well. And I still think, fuck me. Like if I was even now, when I think back to my freelancing days, I'm like, now you've got your own place. Would that feel as viable? Would that, would you be sucked back into like having to get a job as well and then do a bit of freelance? Because the costs start to stack and you're just like, shit, this is actually life now. And so, I don't know, I think it's really tough for millennials. And unfortunately, I don't want to be the podcast goes, well, actually, the only way you're going to make something of yourself is start a business because that's the only way you're going to make enough money to ever have that lifestyle that you want. Or you're going to go need to work for a really high Fortune 500 company that's going to pay you 80 to 100K a year. And even then, I know people who work for those companies who are still not saving anything because they've got the rent in London because they want to be 30 minutes from their office and whatever else and they still will go out for drinks with everyone else so for me it's a tough one and I've just got to say like I think that's why millennials are trying to find glimmers of like life in, in amongst their busyness and it's a sad way to live but I think unfortunately this is the system we're currently working yeah. in and I think unless things change unless more houses go up around London or within London or transport systems improve or energy no, becomes can, more efficient. If or, I can get into some nitty gritty here. Well, we've gone on a bit, so let's carry I, on. I know. <laughs> but if I can get into some nitty gritty here, I was talking about this with my dad the other day. 
There is a fundamental reason why social housing is not being built. The fundamental reason is, and the government at the minute is trying to get around this, the fundamental reason is that how planning permission has worked for the last many, 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 many years with all these contractors and, you know, everything, is they buy this land, they get the planning permission to build all of the apartments and houses and whatnot on that land, and then they don't bloody build on it. And the reason they don't build on it is they're waiting for the value of the land to go up. And they're going to keep waiting for the value of the land to go up because it's going to continue to go up because demand's going to get higher. So they're not building on it. And then they've got control of this land and then they will just sell the land on later on. And then somebody else is going to need to get planning permission Mm -hmm. to build on it. And so all the land is taken up by all of these fucking big cheeses with their fucking fat cat wallets buying this property, trying to make a fucking mint off of the fact that people can't get a fucking house. And then you also have the landlords who are like, yep, well, I've got a house and uh, I'm just going to not rent it out because actually the property, the value of the property is just going to keep going up. And so everybody is sitting on everything so that the value goes up. And that's where I'm kind of like, yeah, whether or not the previous generation wants to deny whether or, f- whether or not they have mismanaged the economy as a whole, and I'm not talking politically here, I'm talking about sitting on land, sitting on property to pad their freaking bank accounts and not think about the long-term effects of what they're doing, whether or not they want to deny it or not, I call bullshit, it is your fault, you as a generation fucked us over. Well, and I think if we were the same generation, though, we'd think, well, I've got money in my I'm property. sure we'd do Let's the same. Let's buy the next one. Let's I'm sure we'd do one. the same. So they're doing what they I think have is hope that I have hope that we won't now mm. when it comes our turn to take it all over. I hope that we won't, but I'm sure that we would. I'm sure that we would. And that's not me saying we're more, we are better than you because we wouldn't do it. I'm sure that we would. But, but. I think that that generation really needs to start taking responsibility for how much they fucked up their kids' opportunities. Yeah, and I think it comes down to that ethics. It's kind of like, I think, again, people don't see the wider problem. They're not some. Those people who have that money to go out and buy more properties and hold on to them or rent them, they aren't seeing what it's like at the bottom. They ain't no. seeing people struggling. They ain't seeing how much people are paying for rent. And so it is this divide and it's kind of how we bring that awareness to the attention. I, I know it's stuff that's getting talked about in governments, but then you're like, well, these government people in government aren't the ones who are seeing the front line of what kind of implications this is having. And so again, it's one of those root problems and there isn't any clear answer to it. I guess we live in a capitalist system at the moment, again, which millennials are saying, oh, is it working? And yes, to some degree, we're, we're both pro-capitalism, but then I think there's it's got to be this sort of conscious element of actually, is it ethical at the same time? Is it conscious capitalism? Are we thinking about the repercussions of these choices? And ultimately, capitalism can be good if it's got the, if it's taken into consideration all the implications, not just, okay, how does this turn a profit, which is why people are like sitting on property like it's gold, mm. and there's people who are basically homeless, so or struggling to even pay rent. So I think it is a systematic problem. Mm-hmm. We don't have the answers. No. And uh, yeah. Far from it. Far from it. And I just think this is why a lot of millennials are struggling and are kind of just having enough of this whole system. I think mm-hmm. it is this kind of rebel against the fucking system. And I think unless it all comes tumbling 
or unless something is massively shaken up, then I just think we are going to be continue probably being generations screwed yeah until there's some sort of change and i think it's sad to see and i guess you just got to stay positive and kind of again i think millennials are doing a good job of kind of weathering uh i mean the stresses they're having i mean what a robust fucking generation we are like sure you know we haven't been through a world war yet um but i mean the the, I think the psychological shit that we've dealt with... Psychological warfare going the, on. Yeah, there. there is a lot of it. And yeah, again, I say we haven't been through worldwide conflict and, and certainly the generation that went through that twice um, certainly deserve props. Um, and yeah, they had it hard in very different ways. But I just feel like the for our generation, there doesn't feel like any hope. And I think that's what we're missing as a generation. And I think that's why we're so socially conscious because I think we're searching for that hope and we're searching for how can we have a positive effect and searching for how can we make sure that our, cause we are now having kids as a generation and we're looking at everything and going, how the hell can we make sure that our kids don't go through this shit that we're going through as a generation sure we have it great in other areas technology is phenomenal we have opportunities available to us from a technological standpoint that was not available to um previous generations and that's why i think we are so pro entrepreneurship and pro setting up a business you said obviously you don't want to guide people in that direction but i would say that actually, if there's one thing that we have as a generation, which previous generations have never had before, is our ability to be able to make something and pretty much know that someone somewhere will buy it because we're living in a practically a global economy. We have the internet at scale at our disposal. So I would say if you are kind of thinking, what the hell do I do? Do look at what ideas you have, what passions you have, what business you could start up and just see if it's got legs because the truth is, and it's one of the things my dad always used to say to me as a kid, I've said it before on this podcast and I will say it again. He said, son, you will never earn any significant amount of wealth working for somebody else. And I fundamentally believe it. When I changed my perspective on all of that sort of stuff, my finances completely changed. My financial situation completely changed. When I moved to London, I was earning £700 a month. In London, six years ago. Six. My rent was half of that, plus bills, plus living, living costs. I have no idea how I did it, but... I was trying to work for the man. <laughs> mm. And as soon as I kind of went, no, actually, I'm working for me, not for the man. It, it changed my perspective. So I would I would uh, highly recommend at least exploring it, which if you listen to this podcast uh, and have done for a while, you probably are already. But just keep at it because I think for me, entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship particularly is for me that beacon of hope for our generation. So we've gone on a lot. There was a lot of stuff that we've also wanted to talk about, but I really don't think we're going to have time to even touch on it. What do you reckon? Um, yeah, I think maybe we can touch on maybe a little bit about the 5G stuff, just quickly in and out. Okay, right. And then, yeah. Let's hop into uh, tech news then. 
Okay, so uh, the bidding has begun. 5G internet, cellular, cellular internet is heading to the UK. Finally, I think the States have had it for a while. In some areas, In yeah. some areas. It's still kind of a bit patchy. But um, 5G is coming here. Um, I don't know too much about 5G. My only assumption is it's quicker than 4G. <laughs> That's pretty much all I know about 5G. That's tech news over. Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jem, you're going to have to pretty much lead this one. Yeah, no, it's definitely to do with speed. It's a lot faster. It's actually 100 times faster than 4G, which means we can stream. 100 times? It's 100 times faster, which means that you can download Holy a whole... Yes crap yes 100 times faster but it also means that dude your phone my phone is already better than my home home wi-fi my 4g but well basically you can download a whole film in like a matter of seconds or minutes if that it will literally just be instant but there are some implications it means there's going to be a lot more masks basically these 4g masks can be actually send signals from about 70 kilometers away from each other but they're saying that actually the 5g connectivity will actually need free it can only travel 300 meters which means we're likely to see a lot more masks going up. And that means they might be on buildings, on trees, in some places that were showing them on palm trees. And the problem here is why it's so expensive is they're just going to need a shit ton of these masks. And um, again, it, what they're saying is obviously it's going to be great for this whole um, internet of things, connectivity, smart homes, tracking. You're going to have these signals being sent at such speeds it can process the data so fast. It means your fridge, your TV, your kettle, everything around your home is going to be... Um, again, connected to this 5G network. And I think, obviously, the um, government see it as a great step forward. It means, actually, imagine all that data coming from a, a house or a business. Or, again, we're digitizing money. So all this Wi-Fi, contactless payments. So some people, you've got the uh, conspiracy theorists saying, like, this is heading towards that sort of... What's that um, book you always talk about with tracking? Is it 19... 1984? 1984, this whole... yeah connected world where actually the government pretty much has information on everything you do if you've ever watched that program um where they go on the run um what's that one where they you've got to go missing for 30 days and stuff like that and you just see how easy they can track you based on where you pull money out where you drive your car where they track where your car where your phone gives off a signal basically they could literally find out what usage in your house are you using imagine like drug dens where they know that you've got lighting equipment for growing weed they're like okay this house is using a ridiculous amount of electricity we know something's going on here Mm. why is this the only one on the road that's and so there are theories on look it means that we're going to be basically connected it means government has more control and more uh, data on what we do there's huge potential i'm going to say huge and potential because wayne's kind of like hmm about the health implications of 5G connectivity. Obviously, you can read up a lot on about EMF signals and kind of what kind of health implications they can potentially have on us. There's a TED Talk that I'm going to share is about sort of like some of the dangers of Wi-Fi and whether we're moving in a bad direction and people talk about potential cancer risks or um, disruption to sleep, fatigue, all the kind of effects EMF, EMF signals can have on us and having 5g which is a lot more powerful these signals are a lot again if they're 100 times faster they're sending a lot more signals from closer ranges you've got masks more around your house and stuff so that's another potentiality i know wayne is kind of on the fence in terms of what potential health implications there's some studies that say hey it's a huge problems huge problem there's uh, studies that say no it's nothing to worry about look we've got 4g nothing's happened so What's your stance, Wayne? Yeah, I mean, uh, I wasn't going to go too much into it because we're running long. But um, 
my kind of almost devil's advocate kind of stance on it, I suppose, is I now get very skeptical when I hear about how technology is bad for our health, bad for our mental health, bad for anything, really. I think it's very easy to point at technology and be like, yep, it's technology's fault. But I remember, and we were saying this to you before, I remember when we were told when we were like 12 that if we kept our mobile phone in our pocket that we wouldn't be able to have kids as guys. Um, I mean, obviously it's not something that people shout about, but I, the only people I know that are struggling to have kids are the people that are struggling to get into a committed relationship. Um, <laughs> I also remember the days when we were told that don't put a laptop on your lap because you'll kill off your, your sperm. And again... The only people I know my age that are struggling to have kids are the people that are struggling to get into a committed relationship. Can I just say some quick interesting stats, actually? A percentage of sperm count in men has dropped 40% over the last set well, period of time. Also, there is actual evidence that there is less sperm. If you have if you have your mobile in your pocket and no, it's switched on, no, no, no. there will be hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, sperm. hang on. Because I'm not saying that all of this isn't true. What I am saying is... I think a lot of it is hyperbolized and I think a lot of it is blown so out of proportion that it's scaremongering. Yeah, I think it's one of the That's what I'm saying because I'm not denying obviously if we're throwing signals around we are going to be affecting our biology in some in some way shape or form. Of yeah. course we are. I'm never I've never doubted that, but I think the degree to which some people I know some parents that go batshit insane about mobile phone signals in their house because they think it's going to give them brain cancer and sure there's a possibility that it might i'm not mm. denying that but i think it's so blown out of proportion like in the same way as anything related to health it's all the same stuff all in moderation all in moderation yeah. in moderation because whether we want to admit it or not we're all going to die <laughs> like it just depends whether it's going to be through your balls or through your brain <laughs> right <laughs> and i just think if you're dealing with everything in moderation chances are you're probably going to be fine and if you're dealing with everything in moderation and it still gets you then you're probably sadly it was probably going to get you anyway my thing on that is just look at some of the research i think they always blow up these studies just so that exactly. at exactly so that people get attention even if you think oh fuck it's affecting my balls you might be like, okay i'll put my phone in airplane mode when it's in my pocket that's a good move so i do think that the, they people that do these articles have to blow it up so that people pay any attention if you say oh it mildly reduces uh, sperm count people are like i don't give a shit when you say it kills your balls someone exactly. goes they'll have a look and they might do something so i just think there are some things you can do listen to mm -hmm. the ted talk that i'm going to share look into it yourself but it's interesting and we'll see what yeah. the health implications are but it seems to be a right move for technology to move to faster connectivity mm -hmm. and we are moving in a tech direction so it is a good move for 5g it's just people again think about the implications yes yeah yeah i was going to add something but you kind of summed it up there so okay we have gone really long we had other stuff we wanted to talk about but we'll have to come back to it next week um, particularly the stuff about uh, millennials and uh, killing industries, uh, which I definitely want to talk about next week. So we'll talk about that then. Um, 
if you have any thoughts, I mean, I feel like I've said some quite controversial things in this episode. Um, <laughs> but if uh, you have any thoughts, please do hit us up on Twitter. I'd love to uh, respond in kind uh, or on Instagram, if you prefer, at, at PN underscore podcast on Twitter, at powerful underscore nonsense on the old gram. Um, and please do leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, that really helps get the show in front of more people. So we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, so, yes, that is the show for this week. Uh, we will see you again next week. So uh, thanks very much for tuning in and we will catch you next time. See you later. Bye.